0: A nanny is in distress. When the detectives find out about it, they unco- uncover some dirty secrets. Now this is Twisted, an SVU podcast. <coughs> yeah, you are listening to Twisted an SVU podcast and you can hear us on Anchor FM, Spotify or WordPress All Right, alright so hello how you doing this is BD Rose so how was your weekend now I got like a couple of topics I want to get into you but first though we're finally in the season 1 finale of Lord & Order SVU so this is our 22nd episode and um we, 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 this is season one finale. I mean, you will believe it though. I mean, we are already, winding already down the episodes from season one. And next week though, we're going to start with season two of Law & Order SBU. I mean, I, this isn't, this isn't the, my season finale of my show though. You know, though, we're going to continue going on through the summer and then to like until August and then in September, I'm going to start my second season on my show. And I wish I had a partner with me, you know what I'm saying? I wish I had a partner. I mean, I've been doing this one-man show since February and all this stuff. And I've been doing the show all by myself. No assistance, no ones helping me, me and all that stuff, though. So, um man, I know it sucks. I mean, I need to have a partner so we can d- talk about the episodes of SVU and discuss the scenes and talk about the detectives and all that stuff, though. So... Later on on the show, though, I'm gonna give you a little recap on season one and all that stuff, though. So first, what's in the news lately? Y'all heard? Um, do, you, do you y'all heard the news that Viz uh, Marquis had passed away at, at age 57? Do y'all ladies listen to hip hop? And do you remember this rapper called Bismarck Now this rapper Biz Markie, uh, he had a couple of couple hits back in the late 1980s with songs like The Vapors and Just a Friend Spring Again and all that stuff though he you tried to imitate Barry White and um, before that he was part of the Juice Crew back in Queens back in the early 80s and then he branched out as a solo artist and that guy he be doing some weird shit man and the noises and stuff like that dressing in clowns and he made some appearances with Yo Gabba Gabba and all that stuff and, um, there has been reports recently, uh, somewhere around last month saying there were rumors saying that he died and, you know, he's been declining health in the past couple of years and, you know, he was suffering from, from diabetes and I heard sometimes, um, a while ago he suffered a stroke. So, um, I remember last month there were rumors that Biz Parkey has, uh, had died and when Bapper Big Daddy King said that he's still alive and he's in a coma, and they sent some prayers for him. Right now, I mean, yeah, I know that the, the, the Lord took him away, you know. That the Lord said it was his time for him to go, though. I mean, he suffered enough, so um Vince Marquis is a big dude, you know. I mean, he's going to be missed, Right. And yo, check this out though. Y'all heard that Britney Spears won in the court a couple of days ago because yeah, she's trying to disassociate herself with her father and like he's trying to control her. I mean, he, it's all about he's trying to be conservatory on with Britney Spears. I mean, listen, Britney Spears is almost 40 years old and her father thinks that she cannot handle this as an adult though. I mean, it's like he controls her and stuff like that though. So we're gonna get so we're gonna get to the control in this episode. So I'm gonna say that the Britney Spears have been on a meltdown recently. I mean, she shaved her head and then then she hit the Papa Rossi with the umbrella, like breaking down, and then they took the kids away. I, I don't know. It's a, it was a mess with Britney Spears. But it turns out that her father was is conservative and he's just like it was like in other words, he's controlling her stuff like that. But Britney Spears was like, uh-uh, I want to be on my own and then the immediate bachelor is saying that she's has uh, a mental breakdown help Britney and then she has a schizophrenia or it? but it's like a sign for help but, but however though she won in court so I mean she has got to get her own lawyer and then she wants to be independent I mean get away from her father but like I said you know a woman's like almost 40 years old I mean she wanted to, to control her life and take care of her life well you gotta go love with that though so, um, you know, so that's all I want to tell you. And I'm tell you, all this acts of gun violence is spiking up. I mean, I just heard that like um, 13 year old kid was um, murdered in the Bronx and it was gang related. So, I mean, everything, when everything, every time with the shooting, it has to be gang related. So, brothers, you need to stop killing one another, man, and try to work together as unity don't be killing one another with the drugs and the crack and um, damn gangs and all that stuff because that's self-hatred right there you know so you know most I don't even like that though so brothers you gotta you need to get your act together pull your damn pants up we don't want to look at your stinking ass drawers Ooh, like Pepe Le Pew and the Bugs Bunny cartoons Pebby right. okay, so the pew, Pebby the pew, a little bit, a little bit, a bit, a little bit, a little episode a right, little Yes, this is the season one finale of SVU, my, fr- my brothers and sisters. And um, the episode Slaves is written by Dawn the Noon and Lisa Marie Peterson. And it's directed by Ted Kotcheff. And it aired on NBC on May 19th, 2000. In springtime, it's spring again, like Biz Marquis saying, it's spring again. Now, this episode right here, though, it leaves us with a cliffhanger, right? And at the end, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, but I'm not going to say anything that much, though. All right? So, now, we're in the cold open, and we're in the squad room. Captain Kragen comes in the squad room and tells the detectives that they're going to be taking a bi-yearly psychiatric evaluation. And once was like, bi-yearly for bipolars. So, he he wants, like, each individual to have an appointment with the streak. Which turns out to be Dr. Jackson. And Craig says that he will go up first. You know, the blind leaving the blind or something like that, though. Okay, so, um, this guy comes in the squad room. And he is a Romanian vendor. And he wants to talk to the detectives. Because he received a, a note from this mysterious lady. So, um... He comes in and sits down, talks to messenger sabler, Jeffries, and much about uh, what he what he saw so he tells he tells him a story saying that he was on his job, and he spots a couple of kids stealing fruit from his vendor, and he chases him down the street then all of a sudden, a woman shows up giving him a note and um he also tells them that she speaks more Romanian, just like him and um it's like she, and then when she gives him a note, it's, it's like a distress message. And he tells him the note says, I need help. And um, he also tells him that um, the person, look for a person's name is Constanza Cordescu. Something that's, that's what the note says, though. And um, Besson was asking her, that she, he also tells him that this woman has been abused. And um Vincent asked the vendor was it phys- physically or sexually? And the vendor says both. So it turns out she was probably raped by somebody or being taken advantage of it or something is held against the will. Oh, so and then they ask him when he when the when the lady gave him a note. He tells him like a few days ago. Oh so now it turns out that um he he gets a distress dose from this mysterious woman saying that she needs help and she has been abused. And it turns out she's probably been being held against her will. And they and she tells the vendors to look for a woman named Constanza Cordescu, something like that though. So Okay, so we go to the cold open, you got like Ben Stabler, Benson, Munch, Jeffries, and Cragen. And um we're in that we go to act one. We're in a squad room still and um the end vendor is talking to the sketch artist and then Jeffrey's hands in hands in the vendor some coffee and stuff like that. So so the detectives they talk about the woman being abused and they try wondering why did the vendor have to wait like three days to come up here. And then they was talking about him, his wife was talking about some this and that, something like that. But I wanna find out. Here's my take on this one right there. If a vendor gets like a distress call or distress calls from somebody, I mean, if I was him, I would report to the police right away. I mean, why do you have to wait like a couple of days just to show up at the precinct to tell him what happened? I mean, why why do you wait so long, huh? Think about that. All right, so. Um, they so the detectives they talk about this woman named Constanza Godescu, and um, and then they talk about uh, this mysterious woman being abused by somebody. And Craig was like, "No, we got to find this Constanza, because it's like three days cold." Okay, so um, we're so at, we're at the Constanza's apartment. You know, Benson and save little track her, her down, but I don't know how they tracked it down. But they they showed her the this, the sketch about this woman, and she looks at it quietly, and she says, "No, I don't even recognize him." So um, and and then Costanza she tells him that she has an aunt named Eliana, and she hasn't seen her in three years. So Bessie picks up a picture of this woman, and they ask her is that Eliana? She was like, "Yeah." And it was like, Why you lie to us, huh? And then Cassandra was like, you know, she don't trust police to blah 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 blah. I don't know what it is though. Keep a low profile. So um Cassandra tells him that um Ileana is her niece. And she hasn't talked to her in three years, ever since the last time he spoke she spoke to her that she was enrolling NYU and then as as ever since then nothing ever since then though, so um, after they finish interviewing Costanza, Benson gives uh, Miss Costanza give her her card to let her know if anything if you see Elena give her a call what you would call it. So, all right, so we're on the street. Benson Sable have a walkers talk. They come out of apartment, and Sable he gets on the phone to, to call somebody. And he wants someone to order a database check on Eliana, because he said that she was at NYU, and then Bess was like, "Let Munch take care of it." All right, so we cut to the offices of the NYU. It's like an office somewhere, and then this lady is working there, and uh, this lady tells Munch and Jeffries that she never showed up at NYU at all, and um, the is te- te- they want to find out about the records. And then the lady tells him there's like like thousands, hundreds, or maybe thousands of people enrolling NYU, and she shows them people carrying files, whatever, walking down the office. I mean, that was a short scene. Now we're at the back of the precinct, and we're in um the office, and and Captain Craig, and he has an appointment with Doctor Jackson, uh, and and hey, hey, who's that girl? Who's that actress playing Doctor Jackson? say you couldn't be a sex crimes detective anymore. What would you be? That would be actress Aurora McDonald. And she's like a Broadway actress. And this is her second appearance on SVU, so that makes her repeat offender. Mm. And it's probably gonna be the last episode. She's gonna be the last episode that she's gonna be in and all that stuff, so... I mean so she plays um The psychiatrist Dr. Jackson It's like a pre pre Predecessor to um, Dr. Wong And all that stuff so I mean she was in a previous episode called Contact where she was like a psychologist And all that stuff so She and so this scene though she has she Dr. Jackson Is interviewing Craig in, And she asked him some simple ass Question asked him Relax do you golf and all that Stuff though and Craig was, was like all right, you're wasting my time, cut to the chase let's get to the point, ask me do I have an urge to drink, and I mean yo, Craig gets all defensive and all that stuff and gets agitated and irritated and all that stuff, when he, when uh, Dr. Jackson asks him the questions, and um Craig admits that he has the urge to drink like working on a case and all that stuff though and then before he leaves, he was like remind me when I'm sober and just like, walks out the office right, so um Right now, we go, we cut to the park, you know, Riverside Drive, and then there's like this um, this park, like a stairway, something like that, and you got this clown making party balloons, oh yeah, speaking about clown making party balloons, remember you go to a kid's house, entertain the kids with their party balloons and shit like that though, I mean, I'm not talking about Krusty the Clown doing party balloons or Ronald McDonald the Clown party balloons and stuff like that. But you got this white dude with the New York accent. He's making party balloons and clown makeup, right? So, um, Benson and Saber show up and they um show her the sketch about that. There was that show her the picture of uh, Ileana and he tells them that he has seen her. And she tells them that she was in a cheering mood, and she was with the kids and all that stuff, though. And um, the the detectives they ask her, was she be, was she um in distress or whatever? And he was like, nah. She he like the guy was like, nah, nah, nah. He she was happy. She having the kid, enjoying, smiling. I mean, she in a good mood and all that stuff. And then the the detectives ask him when when the last time he seen her, and he tells them yesterday. He tells them yesterday. Now cut to cut to the squad room. Craig is there. He was like yesterday, and then Bessie Saylor tells him what they when when they spoke to the clown and all that stuff though, and um and it is a little doesn't make no sense because Craig was like confused because the Romanian guy tells him that uh, that she was in distress three days earlier, and then yesterday she's all cheerfully and stuff like that. They're trying to figure out what's going on around here, so Craig was like. Oh my 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 detectives! They wait, they w- wasted a combination of thirty two man hours or some girl SOS or something like that, though. You know what I'm saying? So, and Sable gets a call, and uh, he tells um Benson that they found a body right off the Henry Hudson Parkway. He also tells her that her car was in the victim's pocket. Woo! there is something's not right going on right here though so we're we at the Henry Hudson Parkway and then the, the Benson Saylor they meet this red haired detective and hey who's that girl who's that um, actress who's playing uh, some homicide detective give up got some Deirdre Lovejoy from The Wire and um, check this out she has been on a show SVU multiple times, so we call her we makes her a repeat offender. I know she's gonna be popping up on SVU on different episodes of SVU playing different characters. So, yeah, I mean that's why the actress love Lovejoy, the red hair red hair chick, I remember that she had some j- jungle fever on the wire because she was having sex with a black dude and something like that though. I don't know maybe just check out some jungle fever I'll say Becky or I want to say Becky or Karen all right so I, I also right on the side of the Henry Hudson Parkway though the, the best saver beat the red-haired detective and she takes them to the body and yo check this out it's Constanza and she was, um, and she was rolled in a rug, uh, and Costanza has been found dead in a, and rolled in a some kind of a rug, and Sabre was like, though, looks like she contacted Elena. Okay, so we're in the act two right now, and then we're in the M.E.'s office, and check this out. Yo, who is, who's that guy? Who's that guy playing the M.E.? That's Lance Reddick from the wire and the eyes and stuff like that and um this is probably the second time on parents on svu playing the ME. and before that you got like leslie Hendrix playing the ME from the original law and order but this time again yeah, they got him playing M E. and i think i seen them on um I think it was on the corner the H- on this hbo miniseries on the corner and you don't remember that show the corner it was an HBO miniseries that aired back in 2000. And it focuses on the struggles of a black family. The father and the mom were on drugs. And the son was drug dealing. And it, that, uh, it was based on a true story. And it was made to uh, a non fictional novel called The Corner. And then it's made into a miniseries. So I watched that show, The Corner. So... Anyway, we're in the ME Morgan, and then he tells him that, um, that the Costanza has something in her system that made her heart stop. So they gotta check, he's going and then he's like checking the tongue. And we're in the squad room, and it turns out that the, you know, the Costanza got, it, it got injected with something, uh, it, it, someone ejected Costanza with. The, uh, on Costanza's um, she injected something under Cassandra's tongue and all that stuff so maybe of all though she was probably poisoned her well, I don't know who poisoned her or something like that though and Munch was doing a background check on Eliana's family and it turns out that her father was murdered back in um, in the era back in the late 1980s so it turns out maybe there's a connection going on around here something like that with Cassandra. but I don't know so, um all we gotta do is that we in them so um we're in them Cassandra's apartment and Bess and Sable are there going through paperwork, going around searching of her, everything and stuff like that though. Yeah, but as they, they mentioned something about the rugs and so all that stuff, so they're trying to find out what what, what who whoever killed her and all that stuff. So much and Jeffrey showed up at the apartment and it's it's like um, he tells them that um that uh, uh Costanza or Elena were at the restaurant they did frequent and stuff like that though and he tells them that just, she got like um like uh, some kind of uh, what you call it a flyer from a restaurant somewhere so it's probably some Romanian restaurant or anything like that though and Jeffrey's like that's my partner so we're so Detective Jeffrey's uh, she's in the restaurant talking to this waitress and this waitress, though, she's trying to, to tell anything about um, the Cassandra and Leon's relationship. And she tells them that that, that this, their relationship is not good or anything like that because they haven't seen each other in three years. But it turns out that the waitress tells Jeffries that their relationship is strained right, because of over a catch. So... um. Then the waitress, uh, the waitress tells Jeffries that uh, Costanza was gonna save up her money, so so, so she could send it, save save us money, so she could send it to Eliana to come over here to the city. So, however, though, some tells him that um, uh, that that Eliana showed up out of the blue like three years earlier, and Costanza Eliana was having an argument, fight over cash because it turns out that um. Iliana. She tells him that Eliana met an American businessman in a club three years earlier, and she plays him that she's trying to find a better life, go to school, stuff like that. And the businessman was like, he's trying to help her and all that stuff. So he sends her a ticket, you know, and he offers her a job and all that stuff, though. And waitress tells him that he's also a frequent flyer, and she also tells him that the guy, the guy was nice to her at first. So it turns out that um, they did. The man, and so as I was saying, Elian met this guy at some club in Europe three years earlier. Hook her up with a, with hook, hook her up with a trip to come to the states, and then and and then Eliane got in contact with her on it. They had an argument over a catch and something like that, though, and she wasn't happy about that. So their relationship had to strain, though. So um, right now um, we're at that um back at the precinct. And, um, and then he had the pension that she's being, uh, having an appointment with Dr. Jack Jackson and, um, and then she the invested tells Dr. Jackson that on the application, he has, you know, anyone who has been raped or something like that. And she tells the doctor, the strength that she is a product of a rape. Uh, you know, you know, her, her mother. She her mother got raped by the her, her, her father, something like that, and they had her. So, um, and then Doctor Jasser was asking like a couple of questions, and then she also mentioned about an incident where she had to kill a man and uh, in on on duty, something like that. And Messin tells him that that was a reflex because he and she, and um and then, you know the strength. And the psychiatrist she mentioned something about the the some. Sebastian killed this guy after holding his wife hostage and all that stuff, though. And she tells him, and Vincent tells her that that's um a reflex. Though I was trained to do that, though. She was in a situation and stuff like that because you remember back in the episode, uh, thir- season one, episode thirteen, I think it was um uh this role. Benson had to kill somebody in uh, in the line of in the line of duty you know the guy was held in his this wife's hostage and all this stuff in the laundry room so that would happen so now and then the one question Dr. Jackson asked Benson if you weren't a cop what would you be mm. and Benson was like silent and shit like that though she doesn't even know okay so we're at the, uh, we're at the forensics you know we're in the hallway and Sable is there and Benson comes out of the elevator and Sable asked Vincent how did the appointment go, and she was like cakewalk. So we're in the forensics off room, and then this forensics person says that um, Casanza's body was wrapped with a pure expensive rug Plus, they found a piece of hair on the in it though. So that was something interesting going around things like that though meanwhile though we're at the offices of air Bucharest and Munch and Jeffries are there and they got this um, employee sitting there with a computer they're trying to find out who's that guy who hooked her up with the with with um with the flight to the US and a job being some and a job and all that stuff so so one was going um talking to this guy and all of a sudden the phone rings and much tells the, the computer to do, don't answer the phone. There could be a conspiracy going around it. It could be something like that. And the computer guy was like, I think that's was your phone, sir. Turns out much he didn't much didn't know his phone was ringing and shit like that, though. So he picks up the phone. He's trying to find out who the frequent flyer is. He want to know who. So Munch and Jeffries found out that the guy who hooked her up with a job and coming in here over here to the US. Is identified as Mr. Randolph Morrow. Now, there's some of what's going on right here. Now, yeah, so best and the Sable, though, they're right outside um, Mr. Morrow's brownstone apartment. They're knocking on the door, and there's this young lady emerging from the downstairs um entrance. She was like, Can I help you? Hey, yo! It's, it's that it's that girl. They was it's the girl that girl. They was looking for it, Ileana Now it's now you now now we're gonna play a game. Who's that girl? Who's that actress that's playing Ileana I don't know what that is, but I remember that she was in the earlier episode in the, early, in the early season. I mean, she played um, Mono who was sexually assaulted and then beating, beating bashing the head. Because, I mean, I don't know the actress's name, but she appeared on um uh on a, on an earlier episode. And, um, of course, season one, episode three, called, or just look out like one. I mean, that's the same actress that played a model who was sexually assaulted and beaten in and died from injuries and stuff like that, though. But I don't remember that actress's name, but she looked kind of familiar, because I could tell by the face. So, um... Benson, so anyway, Benson and Saveler they find Eliana, though, and she's at the Morrill's residence. And, you know, it's so, and then they tell, Benson and Sabler tell her that her aunt has been found dead. And Eliana was like, I don't know what you're talking about. What is she's dumb bitch saying? And then all of a sudden, a little girl emerges. That's probably, like, the Mr. Morrill's daughter or stuff like that, though. So, and then we're inside um the, uh, Mr. Morrill's apartment and it turns out that Elena is a nanny working for the Morales. And the Morales is like a yuppie couple or something like that though. And then she didn't give out that much information. She tells him that she's preparing dinner for Morrills and she not want and then they don't want they don't want um they don't want dinner to start late and she asked him to leave. But however, Bess and Stabler has some questions to tell her though. So, and then they tell her that um, they gave, they gave the vendor a mysterious note and she was like, I I never gave nobody a note. And then uh, they was like, Who's, who else want to do that? And Leanne was like, I don't know. She denies giving, the, giving a note to the food vendors and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. And then when they tell her that her aunt has been found dead on out, right off the highway, she was like, I haven't seen my aunt in years. Like she don't even even care about her honor and stuff like that though, and then she orders them to leave because she don't want she she don't she don't want want the the couple to have know that they have in company stuff like that. She tells them they're to be starting late. We gotta leave right now. And then she shows them to the door, escorts them outside, and before the detectives leave, Benson's was like, Ileana, you were supposed to start NYU three years ago. Why?" Ileana didn't say nothing. She and she got that loose look on the face saying, Fuck you, and then she closes the door on them. Damn. They didn't get nothing. That's messed up though. Damn. So we're into act three, and then the detectives talk about Ileana Why the way how Ileana reacted when they tell her her aunt is dying and all that stuff though. And then all of a sudden. Um, Save are there, and uh, Munch and Jeffries and Cragen, they're discussing about how about Eliot's reaction. Then all of a sudden, Doctor Jackson's there, sitting on the desk. She tells him it's Stockholm Syndrome, and Munch remembers the Stockholm Syndrome because he mentions about a story about that this um that these they, these guys were holding people hostages in Stockholm back in nineteen seventy three, and they held them hostages for a few days, and then a few days later when they come to rescue them they told them that um, they just became defensive and they was armed and they don't wanna they don't wanna testify against the captors and they be resistant and all that stuff though that it's like brainwashing and shit like that so and then um and that was like an actual incident in Stockholm Sweden where these uh, four people were held being held hostage against the will and then all of a sudden they was being groomed pimped and and brainwashed trying to fight against the cops and all that stuff turning like laborers and being held or whatever though so Dr. Jackson says that these cat uh, people though they show random acts of violence and then put with kindness manipulating and threats of violence and acts of kindness and all that shit so that's what it is and Craig was like are you saying we're having another Patty Hearst in our hands now the Patty Hearst reference though, that happened in real life because back in 1974, there was this white lady called Patty Hearst. She was being kidnapped from the Black Liberation Army and that scene you knows that there are pictures of her in militia gears and holding a gun. Like they groom her and stuff like that though. And they show her trying to rob a bank and stuff like that though. Damn. And when you call that brainwashing, it's all about like relying, manipulating, controlling, acts of violence. Like we part of it though. But she, did she really, did she really try to rob a bank on her own? Or, the, or was she being coached or was she being pimped? I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened when they was like robbed a bank, but the Patty Hearst thing, I mean, she did like, like a few years in jail, or something like that though. And she came from a wealthy family, Patty Hearst. I don't know what's happened to her right now, but the Patty Hearst incident was on the headlines back in 1974. And I've seen the documentary, something like that though. So um, we're in the squad room. Craig tells him they have to find um, Mr. Moore or stuff like that though. And um, okay. So um, we cut to Munch and Munch is having an appointment with Dr. Jackson and Munch is giving her a hard time with the questions, stuff like that though. So Dr. Jackson asked Munch and he's married and much was like, Do you? And then all of a sudden And then he much just goes off the rails because he didn't want to discuss about his private life. And then uh, and then Dr. Jackson was like, Do you do you reflect um the questions questions with jokes? And much was like, Do you reflect jokes with questions? I mean, this guy's giving her a hard time, like he wanna talk about that though. So she asked him, did he receive any sexual dysfunction... at the way he came to the unit? He told him once and then, she, and then she asked him when it start. And Munch was like, I don't want to talk about it. Enough about me. I want you to talk about me. <laughs> like, he didn't want to talk about that. So anyway, Dr. Jackson tells him that um, he was married three or four times. And and. Most of the women he was with were just beautiful, and none of them match. None of them, none of them match intellectually, and stuff like that. So, maybe much was marrying some of these three bimbos, like giving him a hard time and stuff like that. I don't know, or maybe four. I don't know what it is though. I mean, I don't know what's up with much for this married life. I mean, <laughs> I mean, back in the old series on the other series, "Homicide: Life on the Street," is that um. Is that um, he he was married to three women, and then he was gonna marry a fourth one, and the marriage became annulled and all that stuff. So, and um, Doctor Jackson was like, you, um, "You, you, you giving up on true love? You giving up on true love? And then you're still looking for it." And he tells him that he could smell a conspiracy from a five year old from a lemonade stand. And he says, "She tells him that he never gave up on true love, and finding it is unbearable." much just like anything else alright so right now we cut to we back on the street and um Benson and Sable are talking to Mr. Morrow's neighbors and they ask him about Elena and uh they tell them that um she they they never made contact with her and then she she don't say anything and something like that though and um They also tell Benson Sable that um, Mrs. Morrow's wife is a veterinarian, and the husband is like a Wall Street corporate type. Now we cut to Mr. Morrow's office, and hey, who's that guy? Who's that actor? Who's that? Who's that actor playing Mr. Morrow? Honey, I'd like a mineral water, no ice, and I'd like your balls in a blender, but ain't like a bitch. Yeah, that would be um, after Andrew McCarthy, right? And um, guess what? He is our special guest star. This is Andrew McCarthy. Yay! Right now, he was in the movies like uh, St. Elmo's Fire and all that stuff. I mean, he was like a teen hard five back in the days, like the 80s, stuff like that. Now, St. Elmo's Fire starred like Rob Lowe, Molly Wingwall, Ali Sheedy, something like that, though. Probably like the Brat Pack and all that shit, right? So, Miss Andrew McCarthy plays uh, Mr. Morrow. He's like a corporate type, but he's also an asshole, man. A jerk, obnoxious, and arrogant, and shit like that, though. And they say he's a yuppie. I mean, that's like gentrification and all that shit like that, though. I mean, they like a couple part, like gentrification couple. I mean, the yuppie is like all today, it is like played out, though. I mean, you can't find the same yuppie in the year 2021, right? So, it all anyway, right, so um, now I mean, Mr. Morrow, though, he tells them he gets so demanding and controlling when they come in. Uh, he tells Benson to sit, he Benson, no, Beth, Benson sits on some, some, a couch, and uh, Mr. Morrow wants her to sit sit on the sofa. Benson's like, I'm fine, thank you. And um, that guy, I mean, Mr. Morrow's a jerk, I mean, he treated his assistant like shit, I mean. His assistant comes in... Orders them to open the drapes... And tell the media and stuff like that though... I mean... I don't know what's up with this dude... I mean he's like so demanding and shit like that though... And then... They have an interview with Mr. Royal... And then they told... They told him that about Ileana... And... He was like... He's a nanny... I mean do a routine... Whatchamacallit... And then they told him that the neighbors say that... That um, Ileana was working for him about a year... So... Mr. Morrow, he didn't give him much about information about Eliana and stuff like that though and he tells him to talk to his wife so Benson, asks, Benson is able to ask him Where was he on Monday and he tells him that he was busy with clients and that he orders him to leave so as soon as Benson and Saban left, Benson takes out a hair from his jacket Yeah, so he left something, something like that though so, okay, so um, we outside. We we're outside this office. We are on Third Avenue. I think it was like on um, East Fifty Third Street because I recon- I re- I recognize that background Third Avenue because I used to do messenger work, and sometimes they sent me to um, the you know like the East Side, like Third Avenue. I mean, they had like um some offices over there at the um, nine nineteen Third Ave. And if I used to do messenger work, and I'd be making these deliveries or pickups and stuff like that. So I remember, I remember that area well. That's like Third Avenue, like East Fifty Third Street. That's like something like that. So that's in Sable Have a walk and talk, and she got his the hair sample and all that stuff, though. And then next thing you know, Stabler gets a call from the toxicology people, right? So um after he speaks to them he hangs up and tells them that Costanza was poisoned with Bethanasia and he tells her that it's um it's like it's a thing that puts dogs to sleep. In other words, Bethanasia is like um it's like um uh Tranquilizer puts dogs to sleep, something like that though. Alright, so um so later on Bess and Sable they went to see Mr. Smoro at her job, right? And business and to talk to Mrs. Morrow. She's a veterinarian, and then um, they um talk. They talk to her about Eliana and her and her husband, and then Eliana working for her or something like that. And Mrs. Morrow's like, I think she she should talk to more my husband and all that stuff though. He has a better conversation. He has like a better conversation and all that stuff though. It's like um. So and anything you know, Mrs. Morrill picks up something from the cabinet and she asks that he drops it though. And she don't want and Mrs. Morrill, she's like she's the one she's she she's better off she's suggesting them to talk to her husband about Ileana. because they she tells her they have like a routine and all that stuff like that. Even though yes, yeah, she is a nanny, something like that though. And then all of a sudden you know she gets a call saying that a dog got hit and run and then um and she and then she tells her assistant who, her name is Barry whatever just um, cover for her and, do, and all that stuff so she leaves and then as Saber talk to Barry she's and he's like um Mrs. Morrow's assistant something like that though talking about the, the job and all the stuff, how Mrs. Morrow and all that stuff though. And that's all it is, though. So okay, we're back at the precinct, and and Detective Jeffries has an appointment with Doctor Jackson, and um, he tells him sorry. She Doctor Jackson tells her that um, that you had she had a brush for death recently, and then she tells her that um. She was chasing the rape suspect, man. All of a sudden, as soon as he got his car, the car blew up, and she was this close to getting blown away or something like that, though. So, she tells him that the brush of death makes her feel alive and all that stuff, though. So, um... And then what happened? That was a... The, the, you know, the, um... That happened in, I think it was a um, previous episode called uh, Season 1, Episode 20, Remorse. It goes show that Chesapeake was, was chasing down the rape suspect, and all of a sudden, when the when Ray Susser got in the car, the car blew up, killing him. And she almost came close to getting affected by the fire and shit like that, though. And, you know, that's all. And then, um, back, a back to the scene where we had Jeffries has an appointment with Dr. Jackson. Dr. Jackson also met asked her that, um, uh, she hasn't she seen somebody before she came in the unit. She tells them. That uh, she has been dating, she had no she you know, she tells him that Jeffrey tells the doctor the strength that she has been in a long term relationship before she joined the unit, and she told him when she joined the unit though so she um she she stopped and she tells him she has been celibated and all that stuff though and um and then and then and she tells him ever since after the um, her close were almost brushed with death. You know, she said that she went back out dating again. So Doctor Jackson was interested. He tell her what happened. So Jesri tells her that um, he met a guy in a club, but she didn't recognize him at first. But later on, though, she did recognize him. That she was like, um, she remembers that the guy she was with was a likable suspect and all that stuff. And Doctor Jackson was like. What she? What else? And Jeffries was like, I went home with them. Oh, told totally, you, totally, she slept with the person, uh, who person who was um, at least is is not likely a suspect, but he was like a person of interest in Western it Oh, I don't know. I mean, was she allowed? It? I mean, she just spilled the beans. I mean, yeah, she she had to go. She had sex with the. Guy was one of the suspects, you know. He's not the real, not the real perp, but he was. Um, well, it was likely as a suspect. I mean, that's deep, though. I mean, are we going to see the dark side of, the, of Detective Jeffries? We don't know. Oh my goodness, Jeffries. Okay, so um. We back we at the squad room Munch is outside the squad room he just took taking something from the vending machine and he sees uh, Jeffries coming out of the squad room and then and then and then he asked her if he's okay she was like fine and she asked him how did the appointment go how did his appointment go and Much was like she almost made me eat my gun so um, soon as Jeffries walks away Barry shows up and he tells Musk that he wants to talk to Vincent Sabler. So, um, later on we're in the interrogation room and, um, Barry tells the detectives that, uh, Mrs. Morrill took some Bethanasia home with her. Oh, about a couple of months ago. Now, they're trying to figure it out that, um, there's something going on right here though. So um, why she had to take the the drug home with her? Befrinasia. I mean, that's the drug that puts dogs to sleep and stuff like that, though. So later on, though, and um, Benson Stabler bring her in and Mrs. Morales being interrogated, and they tell her you brought some some of that the drug home from work. What what was it? Who was it? who was that for? That was was for Eliana, because Benson and Stabler they probably realized. That um, her husband was having sex with Ileana. So, and then they ask her, what was the agent for, huh? And um, he tells, um, she tells him that that's, that Vespanasia was for me. So, Benson and Sailor realized that her husband was sleeping with Ileana, Or Cheney on Cheney on her, her with Ileana. Or another was raping her or something like that. I don't know what is going on about here. So, and then she tells him that a woman showed up to their apartment, threatening their routine and stuff like that. And um, he called, It turns out the woman threatening the routine was probably Cassandra. So they ask her what she, what they did, what, how they killed, it, what, what they did to Cassandra. She tells them, "I calmed her down. I gave her tea, in other words, though she she poisoned her with the tea." They say it was like you drug her, but that was a what's the difference? Turns out that um, Mrs. Morrow could uh, kill it, uh, kill Constantia by poisoning her tea with the Bephynasia and stuff like that. Place by the rug, and then they ask her, Did um, did her husband order to kill her? And she was like, He didn't do anything, but yo, hey, Benson and figure it out. That um her husband was raping Eliana and, and being held against the will and stuff like that. That's like a routine. I don't know what kind of routine it is, but there's some dark secret going on around here though. So we cut to Mr. we have Mr. Morrill's apartment and Benson and Saber break in and then they break in the house. Saber smells some smoke. And he tells it's coming from upstairs. So they run upstairs, they catch Mr. Morrill burning pictures and, and burning pictures in the fireplace. And then, you know, comes in and cuffs him to some chair, and um, Benson just sees the pictures. That pictures of Eliana, and there was like gruesome pictures of Eliana, stuff like that, though. So um, Benson and you Stabler ask where's Eliana, and Mr. Morales was like, "She's gone. She's not coming back." So Benson and Stabler run into the bedroom looking for Eliana, and she's nowhere to be found. And however, they open the closet, and there's another set of double doors. So with a padlock, so they break the padlock and they open it. Yo, they found some bondage shit, man. The SMM, like a chains and a bondage mask. Turns out that she was a damn sex slave. Ileana's a damn sex slave. Being tore, held, being raped, and tortured. Oh shit. Now, we're at the act four and then you know mr. Morrow is being interrogated by Benson Stabler and um, and um, and mr. Morrow was like honey you know the line I played earlier saying honey give me a glass of want who got for no ice And and then Benson was like balls and well balls in the blender or something. I don't want to be a bitch though and she he cut and then after uh, you know he assaults Olivia you know I mean she, Olivia steps out saves right there and Mr. Morrow says that he got his lawyers I ain't gonna anything where a lawyer shows up or something like that though and um, and it's like um, all of a sudden his lawyer shows up and then and, Mr., and then Mr. Morrow's like good let's get me home for dinner as soon as uh, Mr. Morrow leaves with the lawyer though Craig comes in and tells him this gets much worse the rug, the rug, and the hair on the rug, it's not his. It's hers. It probably is the damn wife's Oh shit. Yeah, I mean, um maybe his wife was doing something more about that, so if a Benson's Benson tells um no no excuse me, Saber comes to the squad room and tells Benson that we gotta go against Search warrant and stuff like that though. And then um and Mr. Warren, because they figured that um Mrs. Morrow is still alive. She's trying to kill herself. And maybe Il- or Eliana is still alive. You know, before she dies. So they're trying to, they're trying to do investors' message to save um Eliana. So they got to find out from uh, Mrs. Morrow. Okay, meanwhile, we're at the courthouse in the hallway. And you got um, ADA talking to the judge for a warrant, you know, and trying to search his house and for a cause. Hey, hey. Who's that girl playing the ADA? That's Rachel Ellisworth. And she was on SVU recently in previous episodes playing the ADA and all that stuff, though. Because, um... So, the you know, the ADA, Rachel Ellsworth, she's talking to the judge. And, um... And then and then the judge was like, he don't want to buy that. He don't want to take a war and stuff like that. Because he's saying, Wishing Chains are not like, um... With whips and chains and not like to for a probable cause and then the ADA was like, Are you kidding me though? We got we need warm search of the apartment and the judge refuses to do that though. And then he just leaves her alone. Okay, so we're at the hospital right now, Best and Sabler show up, tells her that Mrs. Morrow got was like admitted to a hospital after taking ketamine. And um Sable says that that's like a, on the streets is nowhere as K two. So it turns out that Mrs. Moore was trying to kill herself with the damn drugs and stuff like that though so they're in the hospital room and they talk to Mrs. Moore and um and Mrs. Moore tells him about um if um it tells her that about that um and Mrs. Moore tells him that um her husband cares about her daughter but when they found out that her daughter is adopted there's no bloodline going on to it though and um, turns out that Mrs. Moore was um, being abused by her husband years ago before he dealt with Ileana. cause uh, he did. And you know, and then uh, Mrs. Moore starts sobbing and stuff like that. Though I mean, she just confesses that um, that that her husband was so sweet at first, and and then it's, it's like until they do things for you. And then all of a sudden, uh, he did it before he did it to Elena. So they wanted her to help. They wanted her to help them. But it turns out that Mrs. Morrow has been, you know, uh, raped and tortured by her husband before he um, brought in uh, Ileana. He stopped doing the things to her and he's doing the things to Ileana, like raping and torturing her against her will and all that stuff, though. Now... We're in the interrogation room again, and Munch and Stabler are there confronting Mister Morrow. And Mister um, Morrow is like, "I control Ariana. She won't even eat, drink, or sleep without my permission." And yo, this guy, this Mister Morrow's an asshole, man, a jerk, The asshole, a jerk of he controls her and all this stuff, so Stabler comes up and gets in his face, trying to control him. He tells him to stand up. Twice. He tells him to sit down. He does. He tells him to sit down. He does. He said and Sable's like, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. He laughing at Mr. Moore so something like that. Like like, who's controlling you? And it turns out that his wife gave him up and all that stuff though. And he <laughs> and, uh, I mean yeah, they 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 know they, they had enough of Mr Morris and nonsense and stuff like that though so we out at the squad room and um the Benson and Jeffriess are looking at pictures of Eliana and all oh, she had like gruesome pictures of Ileana cause she's shown they they got like blood marks on her back and all that stuff' cause that girl has been been raped and tortured against her will and they also had a picture an unknown photo of her inside some wooden coffin and Benson knows that that's that's the, the rug he's telling him that's the same rug that um Eliana's aunt was rolled and buried in stuff like that though so they did so they look into her folders and then Benson and then it turns out that um everything all that happened in their apartment, so they had to run the, they had to go back race back to um mr Mor's apartment find Eliana, and then all of a sudden they were they come to the bedroom and um they see they saw some wooden piece on the on bottom of the bed, so they ripped it off though they found um they they found the coffin they found Eliana inside a coffin rarely breathing stuff like that, so they had to take her out and all that stuff though so um and then when you see at um, Stabler, he having an appointment with Doctor Jackson, and um, and um, and Stabler, you know, he's talking them now, like saying that he lost his soul about working the union, and he tells Doctor Jackson that he's been thinking them about the crimes and how people do such a thing, and Doctor Jackson was like, "What you think? Think about?" And then all of a sudden, Stabler was like. How I could kill? How I could think about getting away with killing them? Ooh, he wants to kill off the perps. Oh my goodness, he's hounding out some detectives though. Okay, we're at Craigan's office, and then and um, the asks her how's the witch hunt. I mean, do you find any bad weather or something like that though? And Doctor Doctor Jackson tells him that uh, some of these detectives are reaching their breaking point, and. In order for them to protect the protect them from the public or themselves, though he suggested she she suggested to Kragen they should be removed from duty immediately. Kragen looks out the window, sees his um his um his, his, um, his, um, his um his um his staff, you know sharing stuff like that. He turns to her and says, "Who?" Uh, there's a cliffhanger in the mix, though. And and it says it's the end. And spoiler alert: Who's gonna be in trouble? Stabler and Jeffries. Spoiler alert! There we go, right? So, yes, that's the end of the episode. All right, all right, right. So, um, we done with season one of Law and Order SVU. So this time, right now, I'm gonna give you like a season one recap. Now, when this show got started on NBC, it had limited courtroom scenes. So, you got the detectives, they coming out here to testify against the suspect. I mean, it's just this brief, man. But, I mean, but like for give, it, give you an example, you got, like, different detectives coming in on the stand. Like, on you know, one episode, you got Sabler coming in on the stand testifying against a weenie waggler. In other words, guys showing his dick in, in the public and stuff like that, though. Then you got Jeffries going to testify against a rape suspect called Rape Man. Then you got um, Detective Cassidy, Dean Winters, aka Cassidy, there on the stand. Then Munch. But we never seen Detective Benson coming up on the stand. I mean, she's like the odd woman now, stuff like that, though. So the courtroom scenes are limited, and um, even though, I mean, it shows try to so say true of its format. You know, it it has like the the, the dun duns and the location and the dates and in a in a black black, black in a black back black excuse me black background or whatever though. But most of the series is focuses on the character development and stuff like that. And the twists. It's like normal on a normal Law and Order though, they got like um they got like um you know, in the first half of the show, you got these the, the, the pair of detectives there investigating a murder in the first half. And in the second half, the the case is taken over by the prosecutors. And then they had the AEAs coming over here and the case is put on trial until a verdict is reached, reached. That's what law and order is. That's the original format. Well, SBU is a bit different. I mean, because um, right now you're dealing with uh, se- sexually heinous crimes or something like that. Heinous crimes and is, is kind of with it with it crimes you know, in a sexual nature and all that stuff. Though, I mean SVU gets something different because you got like um the rape and then you got missing children and you got pedophiles and all that stuff uh, all together. That's that's part of SVU and the or, different part about this is some of these victims though they. They survived the attack, though. That's different from that one. So, I mean, so however, though, season one was, um, this is all right. In other words, I mean, it's just like, um, despite the court, courtroom scenes being limited, because normally, uh, they would go, case, the case would go to trial. However, on some episodes of SVU, the case is going to trial, right? But most of the show is focusing on the, the plot, the twists, the plots, the twists, and character development, though. So that's a little bit different and stuff like that, though. But um, but the staff, though, that's a bigger problem. Because um, what happened is that there's going to be some, in the first season, uh, they had a lot of producers. I mean, they had, like, uh, small, small budget, small production, or what you might call it, though. But... Yeah, some of these producers they feel uncomfortable with the series because of the scenes. Like for example, I mean, um, at the end of season one, you got the 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 executive producer Robert Palm, who's also a showrunner, and he was a staff member of the original Law and Order. He decided to step down as a showrunner because he felt like the show was too intense, too graphic for him, and uh, too uncomfortable to him. So. At the end of the season one, you got some staff members; they must well, just quit or got fired. So, because some of them, some of them, you know, some of these staff writers, some of these staff writers, they have the scripts; they're not like up to par, or something like that. Though, at the end end, they will be fired or just quit another or altogether. And but the second, see, I'm gonna tell you this: the second season though is gonna be some changes over there. I mean, and it's gonna be more; it's gonna. S- gonna stick more to the Law & Order format and stuff like that and they're gonna be showing sure that having their own characters and stuff like that. I mean oh yeah I forgot about the first season that they have um, characters crossing over from the original Law & Order to help support the show. But check this out season 2 comes it's a whole different ball game because you got new showrunners and the show will improve in all of some sorts excuse me so I felt like I, I felt like I, I felt like it just did a hiccup, man. I felt like I have a, a volcano coming in, so, so I mean, you know, that's my season one recap. I mean, I mean the plot, the twists are are good, stuff like that. But um I even know there's there gonna be some changes with the staff on SVU. They're gonna bring in some new producers and some people familiar with the lower Order thing, stuff like that. So there's gonna be change up, but however, though, it might lead to things something a little better. All right, so um, I mean that's about it right now because uh, we already um going through the whole season one recap thing though, and um next week we're gonna start season two of SVU, and this is not the season. This is not the season finale of my podcast though. We're gonna go on to August and then and after that we're gonna take a break for a couple of weeks back in September for a new season and we're going to do a little bit something different right there though alright so I want to say thank you all for listening especially the ladies now so you can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor FM and WordPress look for Twisted Law and Order podcast on WordPress.com so this is um BD Rose and have a, good, have a blessed week